Welcome to Guidos Bros, where we ask better questions. Because having the answers is just not good enough. Hey, this is Jeremiah. I'm the brother. And this is Jason. I'm the other brother. Yep, we flipped roles today. Why not? You know, that let's works. just keep it keep it different. Uh, today we've got a, an interesting one. We've had a request to talk about uh, some AI stuff, so that's coming your way. But before we do that, I got a couple of questions that I want to ask my brother. One of them's just—I mean, it's low hanging fruit, just for fun. Uh, and then one of them's a lot more serious. So I'm going to start with a fun one. If I, uh, I did not ask my brother this before we got here. So this is, this is going to put him on the spot a tiny bit. Uh, but let's, let's just say, for instance, this, you know, some, yeah, I waved a magic wand, boom. And all of a sudden, a million dollars fell in your lap. What is the very first thing that you would do? The very first thing that I would do. Well, I'd tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's the, uh, what's the first, uh, purchase or spending of the money. The first way that I would not save the money would be if it's feasible, uh, to find a, uh, a home in a place that, that I like, uh, that okay. way it's, it's, it's where we would want to be and not have to worry about a payment. Awesome. And then what's the first investment you would make? Uh, the kids. So it would be something that I put away for, for them, whether it's uh, for college or trade school, or um, if they want to start a business or something like that. So I'd put it away for them. I would invest in that. Awesome. Cool. Uh, part of the reason I wanted to do that is just because I want the audience to more and more get to know us. And, you know, that that's what I was thinking with that question is, I mean, you know, how we make money work for us as opposed to us working for money tells a story. It tells, you know, who we are and what we're about. And so, you know, I love, I love that you said the first thing you would do is tell your wife because, uh, that would be absolutely the first, how could I, I couldn't even make it through the next hour without, you know, I, I would be like, I'm driving home. I'm telling her in person, this, this money just fell out of the sky, landed on my lap. This is so cool. And I would just have to sh share it with her. And, and that's like, yeah, definitely the coolest part anyway. Okay. Uh, I told you there was another question. This one's, this one's a lot more intense. Uh, and this is stemming from a, a, a little conversation that came up that I had on uh, social media. There was, uh, I'll, I'll just read this to you. Uh, they were talking about reproductive freedom in Montana. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I, I work in, in North Idaho, but I'm licensed in, for, for my profession in Montana, Idaho, and Oregon. And so things that come out in Montana or Oregon or, or Idaho all have uh, a little intrigue when they, when they hit my purview. And, uh, and this one, you know, they're talking about reproductive freedom. Um, my, my guess is that was in light of what happened in Ohio with the abortion stuff and whatnot. Um, but they said reproductive freedom for Montanans uh, will be a major factor in the 24, 2024 Montana Senate race. And, 
this was this was you know something that caught my attention because it's being looked at politically but there has to be a better abortion question than politics my question for you putting you on the spot is if we were going to ask a better question about abortion what's the better question now i cheated cuz i have a response but mine i took the time to think it out my brother on the other hand i literally just put him on the spot okay so the a better question revolving around the political nature of the topic of abortion um yep. and and perhaps a non-political type thing so i guess as a as a sciency person i tend to look for the source of of anything if if an object is in motion what caused that motion it was a force what kind of force an outside force and then you look at what what that force was and how it originated and then you move forward to figure out you know the ramifications of whatever happened so if i use the same kind of mentality you know going back to the basics is I would say something to the effect of is, is there a better way to get at the source of the topic of abortion? And by that, I mean, where, where does, where does a, the abortion topic originate from? And how do we go back one step, back another step, back another step to find out? Do we even need to discuss? the topic of abortion if we can get at the source of what might be causing us to discuss it in such a volatile way okay so what's the better question it would be where is the starting point for this discussion that would be my question where is the actual starting point Sure. My mind didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily go through the sciency way uh, per se, but essentially it, it did similar. I'll tell you where, where I came to. Uh, my question was, how many abortions are there each year? And I, I, I said, that's a step closer. And here's the reason why, because I looked at the data and I know you didn't have this and I put you on the spot, but mm-hmm. you're saying go toward the origin of the issue, mm-hmm. go toward the source, which is what I, I tried to do in this. Well, first of all, the data we have on it says between 600,000 and a million abortions a year, approximately in the United States. And then I asked the question, why, why so many abortions in 2023? When we have all the means necessary to stop unwanted pregnancy, because there's just no way anybody is going to convince me that 600,000, we'll go with the lowest number, 600,000 abortions were all rape, incest, and, and what, whatnot. Uh, the, the, my, my, my guess from a social science perspective is those were unwanted pregnancies because of unprepared sex not necessarily unwanted sex unprepared sex Mm -hmm. like without condoms without birth control and all that kind of stuff so so my question is why in the world do we still have this many unwanted pregnancies 
every single year. To me, that's more important than the abortion question, because if we could solve that problem, how many abortions would we need? Okay, abortion that- would be a, a conversation that's totally unnecessary at that point if we solved that problem. If we got to 10,000 uh, abortions a year because that was, you know, the, your rapes, your molestations, your incest, your, your, uh, you know, the, the, the outliers, right? Mm-hmm. 10,000. Yeah. That still sucks. That's too many. And that's a totally different number in a nation our size. And that's a totally different problem when we look at it that way. And then a totally different question. So and yes, totally I agree. Different question. And I, Yes. So I think we answered it in the same way. Uh, or I'm sorry, we answered it in a different way, but we are not answered. We asked it in a different way, but it's the same basic the question. Same question. Yeah. And yes, it's the, the source of these. And yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because semantically you could, you could use the phrase unwanted pregnancy, or you could even change that to unwanted children. Right. I mean, what's the difference in a way like yeah that's because when it, bottom line is is you you don't i guess as a non woman um being pregnant i don't you know i don't know if anyone really wants to be pregnant but they would like to go through the process to have a child uh, to have children right so anyway i was just throwing that out there as a is an interesting thing cuz i know that with this topic a lot of the times the choice of words is what it really comes down to and that's that's an interesting question in itself is why do you choose that word why do you choose that phrase mm-hmm. right to reference that right is yeah the unwanted pregnancy b- b- uh, instead of unwanted child right is that- yeah, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. That's interesting. So that's an interesting question. And, you know, from, uh, from my lens where I sit doing the work that I do, uh, I, I've seen people who see it both ways. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the gentler way of saying it for people who don't believe it's a child is to say an unwanted pregnancy, which if you follow it down the pathway, mm-hmm. you know, leads to a child. Right. Mm-hmm. So is it one and the same? I mean, at some point, yes, a hundred percent, it's one and the same, but for some people there's sensitivity around it. And so calling it for me, at least calling it an unwanted pregnancy, uh, it, it softens it for those people who don't see it as a child. Do right. I, you know, do, do I agree or disagree with that? I mean, that's a different question altogether. Right. And, and so getting to the way that I phrase the question, um, getting to the source kind of means like if, if I don't want to leave this world by falling out of an airplane, I shouldn't skydive. If I don't want to leave this world by drowning, I should avoid going on bodies of water. If I don't want to have a child, I should avoid what? the things necessary required to have a child. Right. So it's, it's, so it just, to me, it follows. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we should avoid in vitro. We should avoid sex. Well, (laughs) yes, it, it avoids the, the, the means necessary to have that kid. So 
for me, it, it all goes to the source. If, if you yeah. don't want something, don't do the things that cause those things. And to me, as a science person, again, that's very, it's a very simple, logical way, you know, like if I don't want to be on the internet, I should not do YouTube videos or rumble videos. I should, right. I mean, right. Clearly. So am I opening myself up to certain things? Yeah. If I don't want to open myself up, I should shut my mouth and leave. That's, it's that easy. So I don't think it's a difficult question to pose, but I know that it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah. I mean, and because we get to the emotion of it and emotion is not always going to match up with everything else matter of fact oftentimes there's an incongruence an inconsistency between thought and emotion there's Mm -hmm. uh, behavior and emotion (laughs) behavior and thought okay you know there's these Mm -hmm. these things that revolve around one another but they they don't always align um okay good let's get to uh that was a little a a little uh, interesting intro but We've got to hit the topic and we don't have a lot of time today because we got things to do in our real world um, outside of this. And uh, let's let's get right after it. Should I put the uh, the image you sent me up or? Yeah, do it. And I'll intro kind of why we're going to discuss this. So while he's putting that up, we got a question through our website that said, hey, what's going on with AI in the military? Or what are your thoughts around AI in military? And on my brother's other podcast, we'd already done one or two kind of little discussions about AI. And and so I thought this was kind of an interesting question uh, because I hadn't really thought about it specifically in the context of military. But since uh, I know a little bit about AI and I know a little bit about military Hey, why not just combine this? So this isn't going to be a full discussion in this particular episode. So we might come back to it one or two more times to sort of wrap it up. It'll give us a chance to maybe read a little bit more about it. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we're coming from. So we're just going to sort of intro it right now and give you uh, some of our thoughts and initial questions on what we think we might sort of approach in the next uh, couple of weeks. So uh, as you can see, here's Here's the seven roles of artificial intelligence in learning and development. This is not the end-all be-all. It's not limited to seven. This is just from the source that we uh, are using right now. And uh, we'll read a little bit more to see. But it's a pretty fair look at what AI does in learning and development. And I chose learning and development because what do we do in the military most of the time? Training. Training. So we're learning and developing. So AI is involved in that. So here we go. Um, It starts on the top, identifying knowledge gaps. So what does that sound like? Okay. So this is, this is interesting because one of the things I do, I mean, I'm just speaking from, from my lens where, where I sit, I do this all the time. When I meet with people, it might be, it sounds ridiculous, but some of the most basic knowledge gaps can cause massive issues. It's, it's like, I'll sit with somebody and I'll say, so what do you know about emotions? And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know a lot about emotions. And then I'll say, okay, I'll walk through a very basic, like fourth grade lesson on emotions. And then they, yeah, at the end, they'll say something like, 
how come nobody ever taught it like that? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a reminder that we go through life thinking we know things because we have a brain filled with information. But when we don't know how to apply it, is it you know, is that knowledge really any use? So when we can add that, uh, you know, when we can fill in the knowledge gap, mm-hmm. and then put it into an applicable process, then the knowledge has a chance of becoming wisdom. Yeah, does that makes sense. Yep, it does. And and you can't learn what you don't know if you don't know what you don't know. And so that has to be identified in some way. And, and so that's a logical first step. And this wheel, it goes uh, counterclockwise. So once you learn what you don't know uh, or learn about what you don't know, then you find the appropriate content to fill in those gaps or make connections in some way. And then the third one, which I think is super interesting, is the creation of digital content. Now, why is it specifically digital content? When it talk when we're talking about the seven rules of AI, well, Be- because as of right now, my guess is uh, digital content is where AI lives. It, it's the language of AI, so it has to create something digitally. So we're we're kind of stuck in that world, right? Okay. And then it goes into the personalized learning. So that's just sort of a the fruit of the gap, the content and the creation of that content and now it's tailored to you right and then the 24 7 digital tutor that's because ai is not sleeping so it's available to you when you need it or when you're going to use it's available to you before you need it or before you need it right because it's in the background saying hey you know this skill needs some extra this skill's good you know, this skill needs this connection and whatever. So yes, it's well, constantly working in the background before you need it. So that when you go to it, it's ready. Let's stay on this one for a second, because sure. this is a piece that fascinates me, right? The amount of learning that AI can do in the amount of time. Okay. So it, it increases exponentially. Um, it is constantly learning, which unlike you and me, we we go to sleep, AI is still learning. We get up, we eat breakfast, AI is still learning. We drive to work, AI is still learning. We go fishing, AI is still learning. Every It's constant. And so what is the concept? This is a really weird one, but the concept of time to AI would therefore be totally different. Do mm-hmm. you agree? And what does that mean? Yeah, for AI, but what about for AI's use to us, right? There's a difference between what AI is doing in the background in in its own learning versus how it's learning about us and giving us what we need to learn. There's because it's it's on two different tracks. Yeah. But then okay. So I would probably phrase it differently. What we think we need for learning it's different than maybe what we need sometimes you know humans have not been super great over time at picking the right content for you know for the learning 
right? We, we sign up for a class. We're like, oh, this is going to be a great class. We get in there and three weeks in, we're like, this is the dumbest class I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. But we put ourselves into it. We're going to do the exact same thing with AI, don't you think? Maybe. Because the, the counter could be that, that we input what it is that we desire to know or understand. And AI can narrow those bumpers like a bowling alley from 20 lanes to one much better than we can ourselves because we go in, you know, shopping like we're hungry and AI says, yeah, but that's not what you said you wanted to learn. So you're off track now. So it refunnels you. Right. So maybe it's, it can keep us, you know, more narrowly focused than, than we would on our own. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um. I okay. Is that a good thing? Like I'm thinking about being narrowly focused. I I like the idea of learning the depth of a particular topic. That's mm-hmm. fine with me. I I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But if we lose the breadth, the the width, because we're going deep, then what? Uh, I think of it like you know we we hear this all the time. Well, not all the time, but routinely enough, we hear these, these comments about how, you know, we're, we're literally one generation from forgetting everything because we are so specialized in our career options a lot of times, right? So we, we have people who can make a circuit board, but if all of them die in one generation and it's not adequately handed off, talking about the history of it, then it could literally in 20 years, we could be looking around going, oh my gosh, nobody can make a circuit board. And now computers become obsolete within 40 years because we forgot to pay attention to what's actually happening. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, your question is, is that what we really need is to be narrowly focused and Maybe it's not maybe because what do we do really, really well as humans? And that is we seemingly connect the most random things. And without that spread of knowledge, we, we don't make those connections because AI is a non-emotional, you know, non-connective being, whereas we do connect. And so we need those, the ability to see five things that are not related and then see how they are related. Yeah. Okay. So I think about it like a light bulb because there's a light bulb on the screen up at the top. Uh, But I I was just thinking somewhere at some point we had a guy who said lightning bolts. I wonder if I could contain a lightning bolt and they created a light bulb. I mean, it, it was not as simple as that, but that's essentially where the idea came from. Let's create a light bulb that we can control. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lightning bolt we can control and they called it a light. And would that connection, if AI had existed at that time, would that connection have been drawn by a human or an AI? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's It's hard to say because it's, they're not connected. Like there was no, no connection before that. They're not. I mean, you're, you're connecting, you know, electricity and lightning with fire, with 
um, you know, chemistry with physics and right. mechanical engineering and, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, you, you are having to connect a whole lot. I don't know enough about AI and its ability to do that. And I don't know enough to know if it, it's something that could happen um, or if it'd be something where we would outsource it to AI, it would make those connections. And then we become somehow dumber and not able to connect those things. So again, this goes back to the fear part we talked about in previous podcasts where we're just like, uh, I don't know. I mean, do we need to be afraid of this or not kind of a thing? So, yeah. you know, I mean, moving on, cause I know we're short on time here. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's go to the part where I think, I think the next one is, is a, is a piece of our culture that we're sort of losing. And then the last one is something I think AI can't do. So instant feedback, we are, we are an instant culture now, uh, 30 or 40 years ago, we were moving in that direction. We have reached that now. Um, we can get literally anything we want instantly. Part of that, I think, is a very good thing because for our emotional well-being, understanding, you know, success and failure, just like, you know, as a, as a kid with your parent, you like that, that, that affirmation of, Hey, did I just do something good or not good? Right. You want to know because it, it helps reinforce certain behavior and it helps curb other maybe negative behavior. And that part's good to a certain degree. Um, but now it comes to the point where it's the, the adrenaline and the dopamine hits and all this other stuff that we don't necessarily need because the long term is more beneficial than the short term. So this part is it's hit or miss for me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, from my, from my vantage point, it's not hit or miss. It's, in small doses, it's good. It's like you know, a little bit of sugar after an event is actually good. Mm. But if you're eating sugar every day leading up to an event, like a, a run or a swim, or sure, then it's not good it, it, because what you build is the expectation of that bump. The expectation then lowers it. it, it, it um, okay. Let's turn it into. Oh, I, I think alcohol. I know where you're going. I like, think, like if, yeah. if you drink a beer, you, you feel okay. Like it's like, oh, wow, that was interesting. Um, but if you drink five beers every single night, it takes 10 beers to feel anything from it. And so, you know, you build up this immunity to that instant feedback, and instant feedback then loses its, its, uh, its bump. Plus, plus it reduces the motivation to work harder for the long-term effect and that because you can't rebuild an engine in a day. And so if you're looking for instant feedback, I mean, you might only take apart one component in a day and you look at the engine, it's like, it's still the same. You go out and trim a tree, you know, and your wife's like, did you just cut that tree? I can't tell. You're like, I did cut the, I cut the tree. It's fine. You know? And you're just like, okay, it'll, it's going to grow and it's going to be a great shape, but you don't see it for years, but you know, you're doing good. So you don't need that instant feedback right. necessarily. So yeah, I agree. So well, it's, the other thing it's going to do is it's going to make it more valuable for anybody who can see long-term and they're going to end up at the front of the, uh, the line. When we look at, uh, yeah. you know, who's going to run the world, it's going to be the people who can see beyond the instant gratification of the instant moment. Yeah. Cool. 
And then the last thing is develop crucial insights. Crucial is such a funny word to me because it will develop insights, but those insights have to be interpreted. And so (laughs) what determines whether it's crucial or not is up to the person actually reading the data. And if we rely on AI to read and interpret the data, it's going to tell us what's crucial or not. And we're not going to know because we're just going to, you know, succumb to the, the, the info that is provided to us in one or two sentences or a paragraph. And we're going to take that as, Oh, that's what I learned, or that's, that's where I'm at now. And if we will lose the, the interaction with other people for, you know, you saying, Hey, you've just, you've come a long way. AI telling me I've come a long way. It doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't connect me to the world that I may enter because of this so-called training that I'm going through. And I'm not knocking it completely. I'm there's insights somewhere in there, but the data could be so convoluted that it means nothing to us in a way that's, that is meaningful, I guess. So I think that's a hilarious one. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's interesting because it does connect to something that I recently uh, just released in in my other podcast regarding uh, the personal connection. Uh, AI cannot do personal connection. Right. And personal connection is a need, not a want. And so if people are going to AI to create a sense of personal connection, it will fail them. Right. It will like, it's, it's like, believing you're breathing oxygen, but really you're breathing helium. It's going to change everything. And eventually it's going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap this up, it is to wrap this up. uh, We didn't hit the military piece, but I assure you we will. And the next, we just wanted to set this up uh, and, and we will start targeting uh, what we think since we didn't grow up in the world of military with AI and there's a really good chance that the people entering boot camp today are going to enter this world. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have my own initial reaction to it, which we'll get into next time, but we will discuss it and see what questions come up. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us at Guidos Bros. Uh, you can check out our website. It's coming back online if it's not already there. Uh, we are, we are working diligently. We, you know, it's, it's a new adventure. So, you know, there's always a little hiccups that you got to overcome. Uh, failure is just part of the process and we're going to do our growth. And, uh, we appreciate you sticking with us through it. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe and follow. You can go to guidosbros.com. That's G-U-I-D-O-S-B-R-O-S.com for additional content.